0: Well, Ryan, it's a great week. We have Thanksgiving holiday upon us.
1: Yeah, do you have any good family traditions for Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah, we typically get together at my parents' house. They live in North Augusta. I have two brothers. Um, One's in town, one's out of town. So we usually get together, do uh, typically turkey is our our mainstay for the last, I don't know, a couple decades. Uh, Mom does a great job with it, and then we sit around and... And uh, watch football. Yeah. And, um, I know Dallas Cowboys are usually on. That's your your favorite team, yeah, right? Yeah, it's
1: my family's favorite team. So, obviously, that's our big tradition is watching the Cowboys. And I think they're going to win because they're looking pretty good this year.
0: Yeah, they beat Atlanta pretty good a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago. They, who did they? I guess they played the Redskins, right?
1: Uh, actually, they're playing Las Vegas, the Raiders.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I thought they normally played Detroit or...
1: Well, Detroit usually plays, and so do the Cowboys, or the historic okay. Thanksgiving games. Yeah. yeah,
0: well, good. Very good. So, uh, yeah, great, great time. And then we have the uh, Carolina-Clemson game happening as well, the annual. Not as, uh, I don't know, I think both teams are, Clemson's still, in my opinion, a better team. We'll see what happens. You just never know.
1: Yeah, I'm glad they're able to play it this year, because last yeah. year they didn't, and uh, yeah, I think it will be a little bit more evenly matched this year, and hopefully a good game. And uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We're, we're hoping for a W on the Gamecock side. <laughs> we're playing at home at night, Yeah. so uh, we'll see. N- never knowing that, that rivalry, certainly, but uh, certainly glad that you're joining us today. We've got a great show lined up. Um, we've got a couple of really good topics that we're going to um, cover here. The first one is is donor-advised funds. We talk about that periodically, but uh, it's a great uh, a great tool, potentially, in, in your uh, toolkit.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of donor-advised funds. Really, if you're charitably inclined, it's also a big tax advantage for a lot of people, so we just want to make sure we cover that so people understand it well.
0: Yeah, yeah a lot of details on that one. And then we're going to cover uh, another topic you're hearing a lot about in the news, and that's um, uh, worker shortages. And we see it everywhere. You see it on signs as you drive down Washington Road or Whiskey Road in in Aiken, um, people are looking for workers and this uh, discussion and article goes into the reason why there are shortages and some of them we you know are pretty evident, but uh, you know it's it's an interesting topic uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. So we're going to cover that on the second half of the show. And uh, by the way, I'm John Travis, I have an MBA in finance and I have been a Dave Ramsey certified counselor for quite a few years now and um, I have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 29 years.
1: And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro.
0: Yep. Glad to have you here today. This is a great show. We're excited to have you listening. We're up every uh, week um, on Fridays, so you can uh, go to our website and listen to us through moneymd.net, or you can go to iTunes and, and, and pull it down and listen anytime that you want. We also have some really good information out on the website if you've never checked it out. We have some good calculators, some good tools out there. So go take a look at that when you have a couple of minutes. And uh, we're going to start off here, Ryan, with the financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, listen to this. So many people overestimate how long inheritance will last. An estimated 70% of people who suddenly receive a large amount of money go through it all in just a few years, John. Um, So according to the National Empowerment for Financial um, Education, so that's really important because it's really, you know, you see maybe a $400,000 um, inheritance come in, but we see time and time again, people can blow through that pretty darn quickly.
0: Yeah, this is where, I mean, I think we add a tremendous amount of value and given some perspective. I, I think it is okay to take some of that and go do some fun stuff with it. Maybe you need to do something with a car, maybe a trip or so forth. But if you can hold back and use some of that for your future, it really can change your retirement trajectory. Um, so sitting down and certainly when you get it, don't just go off and spend it. Sit down and uh, you know think about it a little bit talk to you know some trusted advisors um, whether it's a CPA or a financial advisor um, try to make it last it can change completely change a um, a financial situation if you handle it the right way absolutely all righty so good financial fact of the week and we're going to switch here to talking about the pros and the cons of donor advised funds and <clears throat> you know this is something that I know we, we spend a lot of time on with folks and um, you know present the information to them, but uh, this is a really good deep dive.
1: Yeah, so this comes from the Wall Street Journal. Tom Herman's the author of the article here. Um, so really, John, donor advised funds are a highly popular way to contribute uh, to charity, and, and they're you know they're really growing recently. So according to Giving You the Giving USA Foundation, you know they say contributions to these charitable uh, giving vehicles. And grants from them continue to grow at very impressive rates. So if we look at uh, donor advised funds, you know, f- from 2020, they jumped up to $47.85 billion. That's up 20% since 2019, according to the new survey from the National Philanthropic Trust. So the value of grants from donor advised funds, according to other charities, rose 27% to $34.67 billion. So this is the largest grant-making increase in decades. So charitable assets to these donor-advised funds totaled at $159.8 billion last year, up 9.9% from 2019. Um, So philanthropists, large and small, uh, prize donor-advised funds for these tax benefits, convenience, and simplicity. Among other things, donor-advised funds can be extremely helpful for many taxpayers seeking to time their charitable contributions for the maximum tax benefit. So that's what we're really going to talk about today. Is hey, how can we, you know, use a donor advised fund for taxes, as well as just a lot of control for how you do charity, how do you give to charity?
0: Yeah. So the the tax strategy, and in, in in most cases, you make a donation to a donor advised fund. Um, just a simple account. Uh, Swab has has this available, Vanguard has it available. And when you make that donation, you claim the deduction for the year in which you make it, um, assuming that you itemize for your deductions that year. That's a key, key item, um, because if you're doing the standard deduction, then uh, you have to be over that standard deduction for it to make sense. So you have an important choice. You can advise the fund which charities to, to uh, send the contributions to, or you can wait until future years to select the recipients of that. So you don't have to make a decision now in order to get that deduction. That deduction happens when you put the money in there. And because most people take the standard deduction instead of itemizing, it can still be beneficial to bunch charitable donations by making large donations in a single year. And um, probably it depends on how much you put in there, but it would put you past the um, threshold for the itemized deductions instead of making smaller annual deductions that might not be tax deductible. So, you know, donor advice funds can facilitate this strategy because donors can make a, a bigger, bigger contribution to a donor advice fund in a single year, take that itemized deduction up front, and then make the charitable contributions out of the donor advice fund over time. So that bunching concept is very powerful.
1: Yeah, so let's look at an example. So suppose you, you will be itemizing your deductions for this year. Uh, but we'll probably take the standard deduction for 2022. Uh, you have, and so you haven't decided where you want your gifts to go or how, how much you want to give to each charity. So consider bunching your donations to a donor advised fund this year. Um, you know when they would uh, when they would be deductible for you, and it uh, and advise the funds in the future. So right, you're going to put it in now because you're taking itemized deductions this year, and then that gives you control later on to give to that charity. Uh, meanwhile, you know your money grows tax free. Which can enable a small contribution today to grow into a more meaningful gift uh, whenever you choose in the future. So that's another great advantage. Uh, whatever the case, keep in mind that donor advised funds are irrevocable. You know the f- contributions to donor advised mm-hmm. funds are irrevocable. Yep. So you can't get that money back once you put it in. Um, so the other thing you want to look at is really choosing funds. Um, so like you said earlier, you know you can look at uh, Fidelity. Um, Uh, Charitable, Schwab Charitable, Vanguard Charitable, those are some of the most popular donor advised funds. But before you make your choice, do some basic homework. Uh, You want to look into the fund, figure out, hey, is this the right one for me? So check the fine print for the details. You want to look at the fees and other important details uh, before you decide to go into a donor advised fund. So a couple things to look at. Uh, Does it have a minimal uh, investment requirement? If so, how much? So does that make sense for you? Uh, if it has a minimal investment requirement, uh, you know, if it drops below that, you know, is, is there any rules uh, within that donor advised fund if it drops below the minimum? Uh, does, the fund, uh, does the fund have a minimum size grant? If so, how much? And what are the investment options within the donor advised fund? Uh, you also want to look at what types of assets will the fund allow you to contribute, uh, depending on what you're wanting to contribute to it. And do you have any assets you want to donate that are highly complex are hard to evaluate. Um, and then finally, how much uh, help and advice, if any, would you like to have in researching which charities, uh, deserve your support? So there's a couple of things you really want to look at before you make that decision.
0: Yeah, those three, Fidelity, Swab, and Vanguard <clears throat> are all national, um, you know, companies. And they, I think they've generally done a good job of making it pretty easy for the, uh, the, uh, average investor to, to use it. Um, they, um uh, They've done a nice job with that so but there are some limitations um, from uh, donor advised funds and among them this is a small one but there's a, uh, a special giving deduction available for this year uh, and last year as well to taxpayers who do take the standard deduction taxpayers who don't itemize can claim a charitable deduction um, for 2021 for cash, don- cash donations um, for as much as 300 if they're single and up to 600 dollars if married and filing jointly. So this applies to cash contributions to most charitable organizations, but contributions to um, a donor advised fund do not qualify uh, per the IRS. And uh, they the IRS also points out that contributions to donor advised funds don't qualify for another separate temporary provision that applies to returns both in 2021 and 2020. And that change generally allows people to deduct qualified cash uh, donations as much as a 100% of their adjusted gross income. So there's a couple caveats in there. You want to make sure you work with your CPA on this. That's an important... Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, also uh, donors also cannot use, um, you know, your qualified charitable distribution from their IRAs. A qualified charitable distribution typically enables taxpayers who are 70 and a half or older to transfer as much as a $100,000 a year directly from an IRA to a qualified charity. Um, They don't have Uh, don't have to include any of that transfer in their income for that year whenever they do it, and they can count it towards um, required minimum distribution um, from their IRA for that year. Um, Also, just a couple of things on this, you know, there are potential changes uh, in Washington on this, as always. Um, Some lawmakers, professors, and others want to, you know, want to make some changes like requiring... Uh, distributions from donor-advised funds uh, with certain exceptions. So, you know, qualified charities, you know, that some people want it to be within a certain amount of time instead of the current system that gives people unlimited amounts of time. Um, so a couple of lawmakers have introduced Accelerating Charitable Efforts, or ACE, the ACE Act, which they say would help speed up the flow of money to working charities. Uh, as always with bills, uh, you know, it's, it's unclear what the fate of this bill will be, yep. but something you want to be paying attention to so if you are charitably inclined, you want to help save on your taxes. A donor advised fund is a great option, and like you said, make sure you talk with a CPA about this to make sure you're making the right decision.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most powerful things um, we see people using this far is is bunching contributions. So you know if you're if you're giving ten thousand dollars a year to a charity and you do fifty in one year, you can get the deduction in that exactly. that one year. The other thing is is you can donate appreciated securities. Um, so, gosh, if you bought Apple back in the early two thousands and it's worth a bazillion dollars now, you can donate that security and get the tax deduction for it, and also not pay the taxes on the gain. So, it's a it's a powerful tool. It's not right in every situation, but something certainly to consider. So, it's a great uh, great conversation there, Ryan. for For and good job pulling that. I like that that uh, topic very much. So, we're gonna switch gears here to the uh, question of the week, and um, this question we're we're getting uh, and having this conversation more and more. Um, I'm retired and um, have a pension, uh, two pensions and some Social Security coming in. Uh, House is paid for, and I have more money than what I can spend. Any suggestions on what to do with it? And so it's a it's a good question, and, and we do see people coming across this more and more. I mean, the markets have, have done very well the last three years. And if you're in retirement and you're not able to spend it or you don't have you know, things to spend it on, Um, you know, when you do pass away, it's going to go to your heirs and your heirs can be individuals or they can be charities. So one of the conversations we have is maybe you give some of this, you know, to them early, um, instead of them inheriting a very large sum when you pass away. Um, Ron Blue has a really good saying. He he says, do your giving while you're living. So you know, and where it's going. (laughs) And I like that a lot. So we're having those conversations with some folks of, you know, if you're in your, Seventies and eighties, or even nineties, and and your your money is just accumulating and continuing to to grow. Um, you know, consider giving to your favorite charities or your your family um, before you pass away, because it's going to go to somebody at some point in the future. So uh, it's a personal decision, though.
1: Absolutely, like like we just talked about. You know, think about your qualified charitable distributions. You know, try to give to charities. And one thing to think about is while you're living, you know, there's a lot of joy in giving. You get to yeah. actually see the fruits of your labor when you do give compared to when you give it away, when you pass away. You don't really get to enjoy that and see the lives you changed, the people you've helped. So there is another aspect of just on a personal level, more yeah. joy when you're giving when you're alive.
0: Yeah, there's there's a tax piece of this, but there's also a personal piece. That's a great, yeah. uh, great point on that. So well, very good. Well, we're going to switch gears here and talk about the uh, the next uh, topic, and that is the labor shortage. Uh, Goldman Sachs just figured out why the labor shortage will last for uh, a good long time is what they're they're what they're you know um, projecting is, um, and so the reports of the labor shortages uh, may not end anytime soon because a hefty number of retirement age workers have left the uh, the workforce, and we've seen that. Uh, We've seen people from the Savannah River site and other um, companies that are leaving and retiring early, and a whole lot of them them are not coming back. Um, So Goldman Sachs, the researchers, they found that about 3.5 million people who left the workforce um, during this time frame, and they're not coming back or they're not actively looking for work, and those folks are over 55 years old. So roughly a million and a half of those were early retirements and a million were normal retirements. And those two groups of retirements likely won't reverse, meaning that out of five million workers that um, left the labor workforce, about half may never return. And so there's a very large number of people that are just not, they don't want to work anymore. They, you know, maybe they've accumulated enough, but um, that's a big, that's one of the reasons.
1: Yeah, and so that's bad news for labor crunched markets. You know, like we see a lot of fast food restaurants closing their dining rooms early, a lot of childcare companies, you know, they're closing their doors because they can't hire anyone, Uh, or cleaning companies that are canceling jobs uh, because they don't have the people to staff them. Um, However, it could be good news for job seekers who remain, um who remain in the work, you know, looking for work, and they, you know, they have a lot of leverage, they can say, hey, I want higher wages. Um, So when there is a demand for workers that that can help workers who are looking for jobs.
0: Yeah, so for better off Americans, the pandemic uh, economy created some of the strongest incentives to retire in modern history. I mean, there were generous federal stimulus checks, there were uh, the markets did incredibly well. Um, the home values have skyrocketed, and health concerns have, uh, you know, made the decision for a lot of Americans to to go into retirement early. And the surprising twist of this is many of the retirees who opted to, to uh, re, you know, retire sooner than what they had planned, they have put off Social Security benefits. Uh, by delaying their benefits, the retirees can expect, obviously, to collect higher monthly checks in the future, and the number of workers applying for Social Security benefits in the 12 months— that ended in in september it fell five percent from the same period a year earlier so folks that are retiring or maybe they have some pensions that are kicking in um you know maybe they've done a good job with debt and saving and they're just delaying the social security piece
1: yeah but the surprising surge in older americans delaying social security upon retirement is another example of a number of unusual trends um, roiling the american labor market most notably workers of all ages are quitting their jobs in record numbers in what is being called the Great Resignation. And, you know, I got friends that are doing that, changing jobs, yep. so I've seen it even yep. firsthand. Uh, you know, economists, uh, researchers, and government officials are attributing um, the trends to a generous federal stimulus and unemployment insurance payments that enabled retirees to make ends meet in the short term, you know, soaring stock stock and home prices that f- um, fatten the retirement accounts, and pandemic-related restrictions at uh, the social security field offices nationwide that force seniors to apply online.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of things. I mean, we, we have seen uh, more people retire sooner. Um, You know, because they had the ability to do that, and we also have seen people just like you said change jobs or not work for a period of time because they have some some money coming in from the government. I think you know there's a balance. um, You know, if you have an opportunity to to work, the wages are increasing. That's what we're seeing, which is part of the reason for inflation going up as well. So it's starting to to kind of you know kick in a little bit. So you know, research from the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City found that um, had retirement kept pace. With its uh, trend from the previous decade, there would have been about a million and a half more retirees during the pandemic, but that number actually came in over 3 million. Uh, The number of early retirees alone accounted for the predicted retirement numbers, so a lot more people retired sooner. And as Goldman noted, retiring tends to be stickier than other reasons someone might leave the the labor workforce. And because of that, uh, we therefore expect the participation shortfall from early retirees' Uh, will unwind relatively slowly through few fewer new retirements going forward. So it's going to take a little while for everything to catch up. You know, those folks that retired early were going to retire at some point. Um, so, uh, but uh, interesting phenomena.
1: Yeah, interestingly, the, uh, the Kansas uh, Fed found that the increases in retirement were driven by retirees opting not to come back to the labor force. Normally, some retirees return for a variety of reasons, um, as Glassdoor senior economist Daniel Zayal noted on in a tweet on Twitter, uh, the return flow to the labor uh, to the labor is diminished, um, but the best case scenario in the future is the end of the pandemic, coupled with a tight labor market, uh, luring those retirees back.
0: Yeah, so uh, Labor Secretary uh, Marty Walsh told, um, basically said that the pandemic brought about unprecedented times and older workers. Uh, may still be concerned about the health risk the virus continues to pose. So those 2.5 million retirees abstaining will probably be acutely felt uh, for now. And the number of workers quitting their jobs um, you know, continues to reach new record highs. And that, that's good news for existing workers. I mean, they continue to switch to new roles. Uh, we see wages going higher. Um, but it also means that labor shortages may stick around for a while longer. So you know, I know that as, as we drive down, you know, these roads, we see people are looking for, for, you know, workers, and they're increasing the wages. I mean, I see $15, $18. Yeah. Um, so I think it is good for the, the worker. It is starting to contribute to inflation. Yeah. Uh, we see inflation, you know, has spiked over the last, you know, several months to um, uh, a high, I guess, you know, it's like 6% from last year. But even one thing
1: through all this is anytime you shake up your routine and, and, you know, it makes you start thinking about like what's important in life and some family friends even, they've been working for 30 years and they were at home spending time with their family and it really made them think like, hey, what do I want to do for the next 20 years Mm -hmm. after this? And so being home... Really made them think about that, and one of our family friends is retiring. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's changed a lot of things, that's for sure. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing, honestly. I think no. if you can get your perspectives, if you have saved well and you have enough financial resources to retire early, then by all means you, you should. And that's the conversation we have with a lot of folks is, you know, when you get to your, your number, uh, when you do retirement planning, it'll kick out a, an after-tax monthly number. And when you can live on that, yeah. then – then making the decision to retire is, is an okay decision. Uh, if you continue to work, you're not working for financial reasons at that point. Yeah. You're working because you enjoy it, and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, so uh, really, really interesting times we're in, and um, this uh, prescription of the week here kind of hits on some of these topics as well that we see. So we'll go ahead and kind of transition.
1: Yeah, so this is the prescription of the week. So per Dave Ramsey, you know, 7 out of 10 couples do not budget consistently. of people live paycheck to paycheck, and 66% of Americans would struggle to pay for a $1,000 emergency. So we say this all the time. We hear this from Ramsey. Personal finance is 80% behavior, 20% knowledge. So as we're going into this new year, um, you might want to get a handle on your money. So consider taking like a financial peace class to really get going into 2022 to make sure you're budgeting well can cover emergencies and getting out of debt if you have it.
0: Yeah, so being a, a smart investor pro, when you have uh, folks that come in from the referral network, what 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 are they? I mean, they've have they most of them been through the FPU class.
1: Yeah, I'd say over fifty percent typically have, have yeah. been through it. Um, obviously, we talk to I even meet with people that are going through it at that time. Um, so yeah, we see a lot of people going through it.
0: And they they know his system well. So he's got seven baby steps, right? Yeah, and I think that's the brilliance of if you go through Dave's class. You will come out on the other side with uh, a PhD in finance, and it and it really boils it down to, you know, getting getting rid of debt and then having an emergency fund and then saving for retirement. But you, you know, focus all your resources on the step that you're in versus trying to do 18 different things. And we see that a lot of times people come in and they're they're they don't know what to do. They're frozen. Um, they have like seven or eight competing priorities from college to paying off mortgage to to debt. And so Dave's system uh, is, is brilliant because it kind of simplifies that process and gets you really focused on what's the most important step. Yeah. It
1: just helps you build those behavioral foundations. Um, and just like, it's amazing seeing people in their late thirties, almost paying their house off, yeah. almost being out yeah. you know, out of debt completely um, with the house included. It's really cool. So it's how really
0: do, cool? how does someone take the FPU class
1: yeah, you can go on DaveRamsey.com, um, and they'll you can search your area by zip code, and they'll show you all the different classes. There's a lot of virtual ones still, too. So mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable meeting in person or time doesn't allow it, you can do Zoom. Uh, a lot of churches um, have FPU classes, yep. and I suspect come quarter one of this year coming up, there'll be a lot of them.
0: Yeah, you can also do um, you can do self-study as, yeah. as well, right? You can yep. buy the material and watch the videos. and So what well, I would recommend going to a I class, I, th- too. I think it's helpful to hear other couples... Or, you know, people in your situation talking about what they're doing and struggling with. It's more beneficial, in my well, opinion. Well, that
1: and you're walking through it together. Yeah. So you're both working through this battle together to get out of debt. Um, you can keep each other accountable and develop some good friendships
0: yeah. through it. I know you and Matthew taught one, was it, last year? Yeah, we did. We yeah. did one
1: on Zoom, which was was different, but it was good.
0: Yeah, right, right. Very good, very good. Well, that's a great prescription of the week. And uh, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, moneymd.net, send us your questions, or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.